Hey everyone, welcome to Locked On Lakers for Saturday. Yes, Saturday, special bonus episode because the Lakers have done gone and signed Dennis Schroeder. He's coming back. The umlaut returns. What does this mean about Russell Westbrook? And oh man, all kinds of things. Next on Locked On Lakers. You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, and sometimes on weekends. Uh, we have fresh Lakers content for you uh, all the freaking time. And so, uh, Kudos to the Lakers for uh, providing it for us uh, and uh, make another Locked On podcast your second listen of every day. Check out the podcast on Locked On the Locked On Lakers YouTube channel. Uh, there's just all kinds of ways to Andy to engage in the product. Uh, make sure you're leaving comments there, questions and all that, particularly as the Lakers get into training camp. We're going to be using a lot of that stuff on the show. Um, I presume, Andy, many people will have some questions related to Friday's big news. The Lakers are, in fact, bringing back Dennis Schroeder. Uh, it worked so well the first time. Um, <laughs> Got to try again. Uh, but, you know, Schroeder is it, a fascinating signing. About two and a half million bucks, a little over two and a half million. Um, they, you know, veterans minimum, signing him to, I believe, the last open roster spot, correct? I believe so, yes. Um, not everybody's fully guaranteed. When in Gabriel, for example, is not, um, which is a point talking point we will get to in a moment. Um but the Lakers are full. There is no more room at the end. They have signed Dennis Schroeder. There are layers upon layers upon layers. This is a Philodo signing, Andy, to say the very least. Where would you like to begin? Well, I mean, I guess we should begin with just <laughs> the jer their journey that is Dennis Schroeder <laughs> and their Lakers. Because, man, this has been wild when uh, I believe it was Sham's first uh, broke the news that the Lakers were bringing back. Uh, this, by the way, has been rumored. It's been out there for a little while. The Lakers might be doing this. Yeah, and I tweeted out at Cam Brothers. It felt it feels like either Russ is on the move or Anthony Davis really missed having a local Call of Duty partner. Yeah, because those guys were tight on that game. Like they they actually bonded virtually better than they did on the court. Uh, better or worse, they they were like. Remember, there was those reports that. Uh, AD was very dissatisfied with Dennis Schroeder's lob quality. But not stuff like but no, but nothing about Call of Duty. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a small price to pay for a dude with incredible aim when you're when you're outgunned in one of those rooms. Like right. So cost okay. benefit analysis. Let's 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 table the Westbrook part of this, like the trade part of it. I was gonna say for because, a second. because uh there was a report that just came out from uh, Jovan Buha and I believe Sam Amick and maybe others from the athletic that we're going to get into. But among the other things that noted was that this did not necessarily mean mm -hmm. Russell Westbrook was on the move. Um, there are a lot of different options and uh, I guess scenarios being considered moving forward, including the idea of Russell Westbrook beginning the season coming off the bench as a designated role, which would mean Russell so staying. There's just tremendous. There's so much. There's a ton of stuff here. But, you know, as you point out, like the, the place to start, I guess, is just what are they getting back? Like you said, like when they bring back 
Schroeder? Like, what does he mean? Like, what does adding Dennis Schroeder do for this group? I mean, it, it's a difficult question to answer in certain respects because there's Dennis Schroeder in a vacuum as a player, just evaluating what he does. And then there's also the consideration of what does he mean for this roster mm-hmm. and the current roster construction, which is already very guard heavy and very heavy on small guards. Like to put things in perspective, Dennis Schroeder is listed at 6'3, which feels like a lie, but let's just say it's true. He's, that he's, puts, he's very skinny. He's right. only I mean, he's listed at 6'3, 170, which is I very mean, it also, skinny. It also might be, you know, metric system versus whatever yeah, they, they do over there. Maybe Europe. they measured him in German. I don't know. Right. Um, but either way, though, like let's just say Schroeder is 6'3, which he doesn't seem, but that puts him in the middle spectrum like the middle of the spectrum in terms of guard size on this roster, which really no, they play him when they just, want to go big, Andy. Yeah. I mean, but like where he fits in on this roster is in certain respects, a very different question than Dennis Schroeder, the player, right? I mean, Schroeder is when we saw this just a couple of years ago with the Lakers coming off a very bad season in Boston where he did not play great, and once they moved him really in a dump to Houston, they immediately looked like one of the best teams in the league. And I'm not saying that yeah, was I mean, all. Boston, in- he, had a, he had some moments with Boston, you know, about a week where he was highly relevant because they had some high-profile injuries and stuff. Overall, it was not successful. No, it was actually – I mean, it was one of – it might be the worst season of Schroeder's career, certainly in the most recent several seasons for him. We know that he can score. We know that he can attack the rim. He is, I think, a decent, if not necessarily true starting caliber point guard. He's really more of a shooting guard in a point guard's body. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I think he plays often very determined, if not necessarily disciplined defense. You know, he will he will throw out a lot of energy in there. He is somebody, to his credit, that I don't think blows off defense. Like no. I, th- I think he goes out there looking to do it. Um, I would say his ability to stay within schemes, you know, just sort of on point with everybody else, can come and go. But he is in the upper half of defensive guards on he's, this team. He is, yeah. I mean, he's not worse. I mean, it's funny. Like I, I, you talk about him as a shooting guard in a point guard's body, and I think that's true. I mean, he's not a terrible ball mover. He's you know, in all that kind of stuff. But he's you know, he's a professional basketball player. Um, he, it is important to remember he may be a shooting guard in a point guard's body, but he is not at this point a good shooter. Uh, you know, the yeah. Lakers had really high hopes for him when he had that 38% with Oklahoma City the year before the Lakers acquired him. And of course, he shot about 35 34% with the Lakers, a little under that. I'm rounding up. Um, which, are, which is in line with his career numbers. Correct. About 35% in Boston, dropped that dropped in Houston to 32. He's a he's a 34% career shooter. That is about what you can expect from him. That's not awful. It's better than Russell Westbrook, but 34% doesn't space the floor. 34% doesn't have gravity. Teams will be more than happy to allow Schroeder to launch three-pointers if that's what uh, the Lakers get into. What, what I think is fascinating about this is not only does it give them a ton of guards, they are extraordinarily guard heavy at this point. There's a lot of redundancy in the guards that they have. You know, there are similarities between what Dennis Schroeder does and what 
Kendrick Nunn does. Um, the exception being that Kendrick Nunn is a better outside shooter. There are a lot of similarities between what Dennis Schroeder does and what Lonnie Walker does. Except Schroeder's um, a better defender. Yes, uh, at least to this point in his career. Um, you know, is he as dynamic as Walker in the open floor? Maybe, maybe you know, whatever. But there is a lot of similarities. Certainly not at the rim like Walker. No. I mean, Walk Walker is – I mean, we've both not been a fan of that signing at the mid-level. But to be fair to Walker, he is a hell of an athlete. And oh he, yeah, he he can attack the rim. He, he can, can attack do the rim. Like that. Yeah, but that's you know, but shooters you know good at that too. And so, I on the one hand, he's probably as good a player as they could find to fill that spot. On the other hand, they don't need to fill that spot necessarily with another guard, unless unless you think you're hedging against Kendrick Nunn being healthy, that you're hedging against Patrick Beverly being healthy, and then of course. The idea of is Russell Westbrook actually going to be here for the entire season, and what would you get in return if you you know if you trade him? Because at this point, you're not acquiring Mike Conley because you know unless they have a punch card that lets them get a you know like a prize for the amount of six foot three guards and under you have on your roster, you can't acquire Mike Conley and put him into this. Or unless, unless another one of their guards is going out. Right. You have to, you would have to ship people out, but that like big three for one deal or something like that doesn't work. And it really doesn't make sense to bring another point guard. So, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned like that hedging with uh, like Nunn's health and Patrick Beverly's health and whatever's going to end up happening with Westbrook. It dawned on me a couple days ago because we both talked a lot about the redundancy with Nunn and Walker on this roster, them both being, you know, consecutive mid-level exception guys. Mm-hmm. And obviously the the clutch connection that I, I do think affects certainly the mid-level certainly money seems on this to, team. It? But it, a couple days ago, it did actually dawn on me that maybe Walker isn't quite as redundant as he might seem on the paper on paper with none, if you're not a hundred percent sure none's going to be there, which yeah. in and of itself creates its own problems. But I'm just saying, if you're looking maybe for rationales, because none is still not to the best of our knowledge, cleared for five on five workouts. And I haven't heard. No, I haven't heard yet. And training camp opens in a week and a half. So let's, uh, let's talk about what's coming next because you know, we, on, on Friday's show, we noted that Russell Westbrook is selling his house in Brentwood, twenty nine point nine nine five million, because that looks cheaper than thirty. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> we're going splitsies. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that um, he's on his way out. You combine that news with this news, and it certainly looks more like the Lakers are preparing for a post Westbrook future. But as we've uh, noted, and as you noted earlier, Jovan and, and Sam Amick have put it like that doesn't one doesn't necessarily mean the other. Now, I wouldn't expect them to, you know, a Lakers source to say otherwise, but it it also is true on its face. So uh, let's talk about what happens next, especially if all of these guys are here. How on earth do the Lakers sort out playing time in their backcourt? That's next. 
Locked on Lakers brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, but also NBA futures, as we noted, the 2023 season is around the corner finally, and you can lay down some early action. The Lakers are currently getting 20 to 1 odds to win the title. We don't know yet if Schroeder affected those lines one way or the other. The Schroeder boom, they call that. <laughs> <The> boom. <laughs> it's just the B-O-M with an umlaut. Uh-huh. Um, they're currently six-point underdogs to open the season against Golden State and LeBron is an 18 to 1 bet to win MVP. That would be at age 38. That would be, my God, incredible. I mean, Head like to the website today. Use your, use your mobile device. Learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right. So here's what the Lakers have, Andy, uh, oh, as, as by Really my quick, before we even get to what we have, it is worth taking a minute or two to just reflect on how we got here. Oh, I was getting there, but do okay. it now. I was gonna. We were gonna get there before the end of this, but go ahead and do it now. Um, as we noted, it's been a circular journey for Dennis Schroeder and this team. And as, as I tweeted out upon really digesting this, so the Lakers gave up a first along with Danny Green to get Schroeder, then tried their damnedest to overpay him. The failure of which directly led to the Westbrook trade and now have Schroeder on a vet min and are debating whether to bleed more firsts to move Russ. That's a 30 for 30, man. Mm -hmm. And it should also be noted because character limits, Brian, uh, prevented me from mentioning this in the original tweet. The Lakers lost Schroeder for nothing and gave up another first to get Russ. Mm -hmm. Asset management is not a strong suit. Um, You combine this with the... You combine this with the THT thing, which we outlined. We did basically this whole show uh, talking about the incredible asset mismanagement that was THT. And like, you know, I get this response from Lakers fans and we've seen it on Twitter. You know, well, what are they supposed to do? Just not, you know, not try to improve the team. Because I, I, we were talking about this, you know, when, when we both saw, I was a little bit surprised the Lakers would re-sign Schroeder because it reminds people of all the stuff that you just laid out there. And also, too, I mean, Schroeder is not known as a a quote-unquote locker room guy. He is not Juan Toscano Anderson. And, you know, we've already seen the tension that comes with Schroeder on a contract, uh, in a contract year. We're possibly going to see the tension that comes with Schroeder, not just in a contract year, but having lost like tens of millions of dollars, which mm-hmm. ain't the Lakers. It's fault. not the Lakers fault. No, the one that you cannot blame the people in that room. No, no, they, they tried. They, they tried to give him a lot of money. They tried their asses off to overpay Schroeder. And he, he's the one who screwed that up. But I'm just saying that is an element that has to be considered. And I, I really hope before we get into again, all the other stuff that there was a serious talk with Schroeder of, you may be coming off the bench. Are you cool with this? Well, I mean, forget coming off the bench, Andy. I don't know how much he's going to play. Whatever, but I'm and just we'll get saying, to that. But like, you know, there and, needs to be conversations had. I, I don't know if there were, there weren't. And obviously, you can cut him. It's easy to to to, you know, you can. It's easy to relieve yourself of the Dennis Schroeder problem if it is. How about this? Is a theory. 
Uh, the whole goal was to not play him, so he's upset. While you're also severely limiting Russell Westbrook's playing time, so that way he they each have someone to talk to. <laughs> they they were teammates, Brian and OKC. Right. So, so what if this is actually by design to give Russ a little friend on the bench? Um, you know, actually, friend. I, I I looked up <laughs> a friend. Um, <laughs> I looked up the numbers. Um, of Russ and Dennis Schroeder, they're one, I believe it was just one season together in OKC. Um, their two man lineup numbers, uh, 1200 minutes together, so not insignificant, uh huh, plus four points per 100 possessions, uh, effective field goal percentage minus 0.012. Um, whatever, plus four is all did, I care about. Well, it also went up plus 4.6 field goal attempts per game, whatever. Um, but it is worth noting though, when they were three man lineups with Paul George, you know, a legit all-star mm -hmm. level player out there and the closest, I guess, approximation to LeBron that OKC had that year, uh, 688 minutes, which again, not insignificant, plus 11.3 points per 100 uh, possessions and the field goal percentage and effective field goal percentages both went up a tick. So yeah, I don't I don't have to point out to you both that that was a good team, uh, a different Westbrook uh, and all that, but like, I'm just look, saying there's evidence that the a, two of them can work and that they may need a bonding agent. Right. <laughs> but like, I, here's, it's like Schroeder's not a bad player. It's like, no. he's, I, when we had, when we were kicking this around before, it was kind of like, you know, this is pre Pat Bev before they had Pat Beverly, um, you know, to, at which point the need for Schroeder certainly decreased. Um, I was not as against it just because he's not bad. He is weird <laughs> uh very very strange and not a you know a, a great personality necessarily on your team but he's not a bad player the problem i don't know why that well, why <laughs> mouse got loose there all of a sudden the old squid game guy is is up on the screen um but you know so we got we got a lot of feedback you know from people like well what are they supposed to do not undo their mistakes and you know, so I, I I was worried that they wouldn't re you know they wouldn't try to improve because they would bring this up. But the flip side of that is, a I can point out that Schroeder is I guess a talent upgrade, um, while also pointing out that it does represent an incredible symbol of mismanagement on top of the THT thing on top of. It. And what I would say is yes, undo your mistakes. Try to undo the Westbrook mistake. Also, try to stop making so many mistakes. <laughs> yes. Like, like, don't screw up as much. Like, yeah, you know, don't context. screw up the THT contract that you can then flip to Pat Beverly. It's not a terrible out. It doesn't change the fact that you screwed that up badly. You know, yeah. all of that. Here's the thing. Context-free, without any type of context at all, Dennis Schroeder, at a veteran's minimum, is obviously a great value purely on its face in isolation but also context-free from the roster con roster construction and also roster needs and also the asset management that we laid out then and now. And that stuff all terrible. matters. And it, all, yes. it also, too, it downgrades in certain respects how good of a signing it actually is, even if, again, Dennis Schroeder at $2.5 million, clearly he is, no matter what you think of him, he is... Better He's than better your than average. two and a half million dollar. Yes, by far. And so all of these things can be true at once. At once. And 
you know, and by the way, the Lakers have set themselves up for the same freaking problem with Austin Reeves. And so, you know, when they talk about this cap space, and we'll try to get through the next segment. We talk about the, you know, the potential for cap space and, and, and to Russ reform off the, bench. the roster <laughs> that might come at the expense of Austin Reeves. Like they're, they're all of these little decisions matter. And so Dennis Schroeder, Patrick Beverly, Russell Westbrook, Lonnie Walker, Jr., Austin Reeves, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, Lonnie Walker, fourth. Thank you. Troy Brown, Jr. Yes. Dennis Schroeder, uh, Patrick Beverly, Russell Westbrook, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, Austin Reeves, Kendrick Nunn. You can't play all of them. No. You know, even with the prospect, maybe of sliding Reeves to the three sometimes, like you, unless you are going to go really, really small, like a lot, you cannot play these, especially when you consider that some of these guys probably can't. It is really going to be hard to play Pat Bev and Kendrick Nunn together. That is a teeny tiny backcourt. Yeah. So, I mean, Beverly, I, Beverly's had some success sliding like, up. But that is, you're going to have but, to have some real defensive support around there in terms of size which, on which the wing. Which would necessitate the, the need to look to the size of Troy Brown or Juan Toscano Anderson or some of these other relatively bigger guys on this team. And so what do they do? <laughs> That's next. I like, Andy, that they have, you know, not an unreasonable collection of sort of role-playing guards, which kind of seem to fit on a team where LeBron is really your point guard. Anthony Davis is clearly your your either 1A scorer or your secondary star or whatever it is. You don't necessarily need a star point guard on this team. So, you know, Schroeder, Pat Bev, um, Reeves, Kendrick Nunn, certainly I think are, are, are nice players to put in this system. You have Russ still. You have Lonnie Walker. How do you not – some of these guys aren't going to play. And we, it was already going to be hard, I think, for Walker to carve out a role before this. And it only gets harder unless you sign Schroeder and you're not going to play him. So how do you organize this in any kind of useful way so that you actually can get – it doesn't do you any good to have a lot of good players because you can only play five at a time. Well, I, I think this in certain respects, I think, comes back to Russ. I mean, first of all, there's the idea of are they are they ultimately going to end up moving Russell Westbrook? Who comes back? And let's be honest, there's been a lot of guards connected on that level as well, mm-hmm. too. Well, because the Utah poo-poo platter right. includes, you know, at least, you know, in theory, Mike Conley, who, again, that's the report from Shams and Sam at The Athletic says the Lakers aren't doing that. Um, but yeah, you know, Jordan it includes Clarkson, Jordan Clarkson, Malik, includes Malik Beasley. Beasley. Like, you know. So there's again, like there's more guards theoretically coming back, but there's obviously the rust question there. But there's also, I think, the question of, and this was something that came up in Yovan and Sam's report, whether Russ would play off the bench. Mm-hmm. And that is something that apparently is being even more strongly considered, I guess, by the day. And we we had talked about this. A couple days ago, like the idea of who should start on this team opening night versus who will start. And I had said that I thought that Russell should start the season in the starting lineup for a a multitude of different reasons, talent, uh, the small T politics of it all, whatever, unless you sell Russ on the idea of coming off the bench and Mm -hmm. manage to get him 
to buy in or at least open to the idea of trying to buy in. But I think that actually matters because I think Russ coming off the bench in a lot of respects gives you the most flexibility with what you're going to be doing with these other guards. I guess, but it's it even unless if he's going to play 20, 24 minutes a game, which by the way would be a significant reduction in in Russell Westbrook's yeah. playing time relative to the rest of his career. It would be. As a, I don't, I, I, I'm not even counting as a starter or as a reserve. I mean, like I said in the show on Friday, I think the best starting lineup they can put out is Patrick Beverly with Austin Reeves. I still think the best starting lineup is Patrick Beverly with Austin Reeves. Um, but you know, finding ways to play Kendrick Nunn and Dennis Schroeder is going to be challenging. Um, finding and and still give other guys. I mean, it is. I agree with you that it is better in terms of their flexibility, if Westbrook is cool with coming off the bench, is cool with sitting some fourth quarters and all that, and really can't... It doesn't change the math, though. It doesn't add minutes to a game. No, it doesn't. What I, what I, what I, what I will... I'm be starting very, with optionality before I do math. Right. <laughs> like, but it just... A lot to unpack here. I just want to... I, 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 they're going to have to be very willing to take guys that, whether it's Walker, whether it's... Uh, Westbrook, whether it's Dennis Schroeder, whether people they've added to this team and not play them. And that might be embarrassing because if, if, if Westbrook doesn't play, that's embarrassing. If Walker doesn't play, it's really embarrassing. There just aren't enough minutes for these six guys. That's all well, I'm getting at. I was going to say, it's also worth noting that one of these guys could potentially go out in a deal with Russ. Very possible. And, and you know, it wouldn't shock me at all if another team was looped into this and maybe one of the Lakers many guards ends up going somewhere else. I mean, no if, for no, if for no other reason than to create roster space, roster. I agree with you, but that's predicated on the idea that Russ could get traded. Sure. And that is just not, if they're not going to do the Utah thing um, and, or, you know, that, that doesn't seem like a thing that's happening currently. And, you know, Yovan has been, it could, but yeah, you know, Jovan, you know, going back to the beginning of the summer was one of the people who thought very strongly based on his reporting, the Lakers were going to move off of the, the overwhelming consensus from people seems to be that the Lakers are going to open the season with Westbrook and they have created a situation where some of their best player, because, and then when you go small, you aren't able to take advantage of what I think is one of the actual things they did right this offseason in terms of bolstering that center rotation into something that actually works pretty well, um, where you have, if Bryant is fully healthy and good reports this offseason in terms of you know him workouts and playing in these you know big pro-am games and the, the pro games at UCLA and all that, that he's looked good. You, if that's the case, you want to be able to play him. Damian Jones fills some really important roles on this team. So you want to be able to play him. And if you are forced in the situation to try to figure out how to play all of your six guards, then those guys, so like the roster that they've built is so imbalanced now that I I I like it, you know, I like Patrick Beverly as an acquisition. I don't mind Dennis Schroeder as an acquisition. But like you say, none of this happens in a vacuum. And I don't see how they get the most out of the talent as the roster currently is constructed. Well, I mean, and here's the other potential layer of complication with that roster construction that we mentioned. You could 
theoretically, if you think that the most talent resides with some of these guards or, or you're just thinking about investments that were made with Lonnie Walker or Kendrick Nunn relative to other areas, you could theoretically look to run three guard sets and things mm -hmm. like that. But then the problem you have is while Troy Brown Jr. and Juan Toscano Anderson were, you know, two of your more inexpensive guys on this roster, they are also at six, six, two of the tallest. So you just, you run into these weird issues where, right. and if you, if you trade for guys, you got to start cutting people. If you do like a three for one, you got to cut guys. And that means probably Wenyan Gabriel, who is also one of your only humans over six right. foot five. You, you start getting into a weird area where your most financially expendable guys are also some of your rarest in just pure physicality. I, yeah, I mean, and I like Toscano Anderson as an addition that makes all of these things. If you put yourself in a position where you feel like you, and look again, if you say we don't feel obligated to play any of them, we don't feel obligated to play Walker, we don't feel so well, you, you know, don't have to worry about him being on the team next year. <laughs> so in that sense, there's no hurt he plays feelings. well, or if he doesn't, you're right. Um, you know, and 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 defense defense is going to dictate a lot of these things, and 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 all that. And Schroeder doesn't hurt them in that regard. Um, did he play a lot of two? The year sure. he was here. Yeah. Did you play any two? I mean, it's hard to say. It's hard in to say in this. Of, in, I'm just, I it just, the thought literally just occurred to me. I should have I mean, he's, the... he's listed in, like, for example, I'm looking at basketball reference. He is listed at playing more shooting guard than point guard in Boston. You uh -huh. know, in some respects, that could be, I, I don't know how much he, for, and this is, a, this is just off the top of my I'm head. Just, I'm going I mean, back to this Lakers season. Right. Point guard. I, no, I he, don't, he split it between point and. Well, the one and the two. So there is some some template there here for that. And you're going, I was just going back. Look, okay, so that helps. Actually, you know, with the Lakers, he played entirely as a point guard. That's what I'm telling Other you. Other teams, though, he's played as a shooting guard. Right. But, again, a lot of that may be just semantics. Right, because you know? he's not a ball-distributing type dude. Right. I, like I, if, he, it, if he was it, playing with Marcus Smart, for example, Marcus Smart is more of a traditional table setter than Dennis Schroeder. Correct. I just and he's also a really good defender who can cover up. And, right. And, and I don't. So I don't. I don't know what any of it means. I, I. I. don't know how you. It's a little. It reminds me a little bit of the problems that we we did anticipate with last year's roster. And we can quit on this. I'm sure we'll get back into it early next week. Um, that like oh look they added all this shooting which turned out not to be true <laughs> they, but on paper but the problem was it's like okay great but you can't play all of those people at the same time so you got to find the combinations that are actually playable. And, um, you know, the Lakers have both given Darvin Ham another asset to work with. He's a good player, but he, they have complicated an already complicated rotation. And, um, you know, Pat Beverly is going to get hurt at some point this year. Probably that's what history says. Um, who knows what the deal is with Russ? We don't know if Kendrick Nunn is healthy. Some of these things could work themselves out, and we could be very pleased that they have all these extra players. But right now, the roster is wonky as all get out. Uh, last thing just to mention, uh, Ramona Shelburne pointed this out. Um, Schroeder has history with Darvin Ham going back to Atlanta. Just worth noting. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not even thinking about any of this as like, bad guys no no stuff. i'm just talking about familiarity yeah like familiarity between player and coach and right? that could help i'm sure that that is yeah an I, thing. it probably means something that you know he was willing of course won a job but like you know happy to come back or whatever i 
it's just a weird it is it is a signing that is a perfect microcosm of where the Lakers are right now. It's not bad. I don't know if it's good. Um, it creates complications, and it raises probably more questions than it answers. Um, well, maybe we'll get into some of those questions next week. So I hope everybody has a great weekend. Enjoy the extra podcast. Um, they never they never stop being interesting, do they? Nope. All right. We'll see everybody next week.